From WSC-FM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Ward Jollis, and this is Headline. Coming up on this week's episode, we talk with USC's Gamecock Entertainment. What they've been doing to plan fun, free events for students in the upcoming school year in spite of the coronavirus pandemic. Gamecock Entertainment's Reagan Brezak will join me later to talk through how event planning will work during this new normal. Also later on, the trouble with preparing for hurricane season while also maintaining your social distance. What South Carolinians can do to stay safe during this hurricane season and what coastal residents need to consider before making any evacuation plans. All that and more right after the day's headlines. Live from WUSC News, I'm Ward Jollis. The South Carolina Gamecocks and Clemson Tigers will not play each other in football this year, ending a 111-year streak between the two rival schools. WUSC's Kendall Smith reports. On Thursday afternoon, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated broke news that the SEC's presidents have agreed to adopting a 10-game conference-only schedule for SEC football season beginning on September 26th. This new information proves that South Carolina will not take on any non-conference foes this season, including in-state rival Clemson, a game that was scheduled for November 28th. South Carolina will, however, make adjustments to their football schedule by adding two new conference opponents. It is expected that the Gamecocks will take on Arkansas and Auburn, though the schedule has yet to be officially confirmed. Kendall Smith, WUSC News. Just over a year after the murder of USC student Samantha Josephson by a man who she thought was her Uber driver, new rideshare laws are slated for a vote in Congress. As WUSC's Forrest Tucker reports, the new law called Sammy's Law imposes several news restrictions on rideshare drivers. The bill named after slain USC student Samantha Josephson is in the hands of the U.S. Senate this week after the House passed Sammy's Law on Wednesday. The bill's aim is to require rideshare companies to adopt new measures for a safer ride. Under the proposed law, rideshare vehicles must have front and back license plates as well as a scannable code on the window for passengers to identify their ride. The bill also prohibits the sale of illuminated rideshare company signs by anyone other than the company itself. Authorized drivers would be the only people allowed to display those signs. Josephson was killed over a year ago after she got into a car she believed was her Uber. Forrest Tucker... WSC News, Columbia. Hurricane Isaias has formed in the Caribbean Sea and is now making its way towards the U.S. coast. While meteorologists say the storm poses no immediate threat to the Midlands and will likely stay just off the Carolina coast, they recommend keeping an eye on the storm in the coming days and expect to feel some impacts early next week. Coronavirus numbers continue to rise in South Carolina. Governor Henry McMaster held a press conference earlier this week to give updates on the state's response to the disease, but still hasn't passed a statewide mask ordinance, despite mounting pressure from the public. WSC's Abigail Brandon reports. South Carolina's coronavirus cases continue to surge as DHEC announced 1,636 new cases and 48 more deaths yesterday, July 30th. This brings South Carolina's case total to 87,117 and the death toll to 1,600. Governor McMaster held another press conference on Wednesday to announce new restrictions being put in place and old restrictions being lifted. 
Monday, August 3rd, will be the official start date of these measures, including a statewide mask mandate. Restaurants only being allowed to open to 50% capacity, stated by the fire marshal, and large events such as festivals and theaters being allowed to open at either 50% capacity or 250 people, whichever is less. Schools, colleges, and universities will be exempt from these restrictions. That was Abigail Brandon reporting. President Trump is receiving backlash after claiming that the upcoming U.S. election should be delayed due to voter fraud by mail-in voting. The statement from the president comes after poll numbers continue to show him losing by a margin of nearly 10 points nationwide. WSC political correspondent Sarah Hudak-Jeffrey reports. Last Thursday, President Trump posted a tweet that floats the idea of delaying the November election. He claimed that the contest will be flawed, but didn't provide evidence. In a tweet, Trump said, quote, With universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can safely vote. Trump does not have the authority to delay the election, as the power to set the date for voting is granted to Congress by the Constitution. Almost immediately, lawmakers from both sides said that there was no likelihood of delaying the election. Some of Trump's allies said his message reflected the desperate flailing of a badly losing candidate. Democrats worry that he is priming his supporters to refuse to accept the presidential results. Trump still affirms that he was trying to propose preventing a fraudulent election. Sarah Hudak Jeffrey, WSC News. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is currently down 51 points. The Nasdaq is up 97 points, and the S&P 500 is also up about 4 points. It's currently 95 degrees outside, mostly sunny skies, with a low of 76 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 96 degrees, with a low of 75. I'm Ward Jollis, and you're listening to WUSC News. It's 306. Come on, buddy. Hey, neighbor, it's been a while. Oh, hi, Jenny. How are you guys doing? You know, staying home, staying safe. Staying apart can be hard, but we can still reach out. Columbia has many unmet needs, and Mutual Aid Midlands is stepping in. From delivering groceries to internet access to books for kids, they're people like us, pooling resources and finding solutions. If you want to help your neighbors and donate your time or special skill, join them. Find Mutual Aid Midlands on Facebook or call their hotline. Thinking about grabbing a bite at your favorite lunch spot? It may be getting easier for you, but for many residents in Richland County, that's not a choice on their menu. Meals on Wheels serves people who can't access food, and COVID-19 has doubled demand. You can help by driving or packing food. Find out how to safely serve at MealsOnWheelsAmerica.org. Hashtag I Pledge Columbia. You're listening to Headline from WUSC News. I'm Ward Jollis. With the beginning of the fall semester fast approaching, one of the things that many people are going to be looking forward to is Welcome Week and many of the events that are historically put on every year to welcome students back to campus. But like almost everything else in our current time, this is going to look different, very different. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, large crowds are not exactly feasible anymore. And so for an organization like Gamecock Entertainment, whose primary objective is to provide USC students with fun, free things to do on and off campus, they're having to resort to alternative methods to keep students engaged. 
Here with me now to discuss this issue is a member of Gamecock Entertainment and president of Homecoming, Reagan Brezak. Reagan, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so Reagan, to start things off, uh, Gamecock Entertainment historically puts on a lot of events every year uh, that many listeners may not even really realize. Uh, so briefly tell me what some of these events are and what they're all about. Yeah, absolutely. So Gamecock Entertainment, just as a general message, is home for a few different student organizations on campus. Uh, Gamecock Entertainment is home to Homecoming, Carolina Productions, Dance Marathon, Thursday After Dark, and Tiger Burn, and our Gamecock Picture Show, also known as GPS. So there's a range of programming that comes out of our office, whether it be um, dance marathon events, raising money for the kids, homecoming, which is uh, the week of homecoming, which is typically in October, sometimes falls into November. Uh, Thursday After Dark is programming every Thursday on and off campus, and Carolina Productions is pretty much programming all the time, um, and so they do things, whether it be movies and uh, make-or-take events, uh, different activities here and there that you can find, whether it be on Green Street or other locations on campus. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Reagan, obviously with all these new regulations that are being imposed by the university um, and DHEC, having large-scale events like Gamecock Entertainment has done in the past is next to impossible now, right? Um, and, and, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, what events are you guys completely scrapping this year that you would typically put on? Um, and what's new? What's replacing those events? Yeah, I will say something that's kind of a bright side is we've found new ways to do events from a homecoming lens. Uh, two of our biggest events has typically been Spurs and Struts and Stroll Off. And obviously it is not going to be the same in the sense of bringing a big crowd together. That's the last thing we want to do uh, for everyone's health and wellness. But we are looking at different ways, whether it be a live streaming component, whether it be um, doing some sort of pre-recording. We are trying to explore all options because the last thing we want to do is take away signature events that students look forward to every year. And so we've gotten very creative with how we are doing things, uh, whether it be timing out um, time slots and how many people are allowed in a space at a time. Um, I will say that, you know, some things kind of like your cockstock, your big concert aren't going to happen. And that's just because you know, we can't hold a big concert when concerts aren't even happening in general right now. Um, but we will still find ways to offer, you know, some celebrity aspects to a semester. It might be, you know, a live stream Q&A like we did uh, last semester virtually, but there will still be offerings. Um, we haven't completely nixed anything, I would say, other than probably those big scale concerts and comedians and whatnot. Um, but we're still finding ways to have those celebrity presence and uh, signature events just in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you mentioned Cockstock is one of those things, Homecoming. Um, I know Thursdays after dark were getting very uh, popular there for a while. Um, have you guys been looking into any alternatives for these events? I know you said things about doing some things virtually um, mm -hmm. instead of, like, completely nixing them. Uh, what's the plan for that? Yeah, so, for example, um, typically we would have done escape rooms um, at a location in Columbia, but Thursday After Dark has gotten creative, and we are doing virtual escape rooms, which I personally didn't even know was a thing. Um, but it was offered over the summer. It was offered last semester. Um, we've done virtual trivia, virtual bingo. Um, and these are things where typically it's over, like, a Zoom setting, but students can log in and participate with their friends and um, even win money. We've been able to give out some cash prizes, which has been really fun. So 
um that's just one example i'm trying to think of some other uh what since we can't do like one big concert we've had some coffee house style events um where we had like a band last semester uh caroline productions hosted a band and you could log on and watch them on youtube live so there's still different ways and then like i said we still will have some in-person events it just might be like um you're making and take it so like you make something but it's you're taking it with you so you're not touching the same things as other students um but those are just some creative ways we've kind of adapted to all the change yeah yeah i know i know some of the struggle with some of these virtual events um with other organizations has been attendance um and has been you know really you know creating some kind of reason for students to get involved and to stay engaged uh, have you guys been running into any of these problems at all? And what are you doing to combat that? I would say that definitely in the past, the way we have measured an event success has been attendance, but we've learned that nowadays we can't really go off of that, especially just because we recognize the importance to offer events to students and give them something to do in such a challenging time. And we kind of are now measuring events just by student enjoyment. Is this something that students love to do? If it's not, okay, what can we bring to campus so that students can have fun uh, during, you know, a challenging time? And yes, you know, we've we've probably had, I mean, over the summer we had at least, I would say, sometimes 100 people at our virtual events, which, you know, surpass my expectations at first because it is something new not everyone knows what a virtual event looks like um and so especially getting it off the ground running that's new but at the same time like i said we just want to give these offerings to students because otherwise they might be at home and not have anything to do and this is something that's free and accessible um and so it's just important that we offer it despite the attendance yeah, yeah. So so I'm sure the planning process also has been really difficult. A little bit. Um, and, that, and that you have to take into consideration a lot of things you hadn't before. Uh, for example, some social distancing guidelines. Uh, what are those? What exactly are those guidelines like from the university? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been following. It's kind of funny. I think the university really looks to the CDC and then we kind of follow just whatever the university decides. As of now, we've been told that uh, events over 50 people are not going to be uh, planned or approved and that's been the cap that we've been planning at um, and you know you can get creative with that like I said like if you have a 30 minute time period where you get uh, 50 students somewhere and then you switch it out um, there's different ways to fit the most amount of students in an event because the last thing we want to do is host an event that only serves 50 students that's why virtual is also such a popular outlet right now is you can there's no cap on how many students can attend a virtual event um, in addition to that social distancing making sure that students are wearing masks uh, masks are obviously required in columbia with the city ordinance but they will also be required in all places on campus um, and then on our end, something that we've had to consider, unlike before, is, you know, really making sure that students aren't touching the same things, making sure that if you enter through one door, you're exiting through another. Um, there's just so many more elements to a plan that we just didn't consider before. And, you know, we were always making sure that things were clean and everything was safe, but now it's just an extra layer um, to ensure student safety. So I will say from my planning perspective, I want students to know that if there's an event on campus, they are guaranteed to be safe at that event. Um, and they don't have to worry, you know, definitely wear your mask and do your own personal precautions, but just know that the university is not looking over any detail. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, I'm glad to hear that you, you will be putting on some events for, um, from our students for sure. Uh, you know, and last thing, you know, for our listeners who are students, 
um, maybe incoming freshmen that are worried about, you know, the upcoming school year. Uh, they want to get involved on campus. They want to stay engaged and they want to participate in some of these events uh, that Gamecock Entertainment has historically put on. You know, what information can you give these listeners um, to ensure them that you'll continue to foster that community? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the biggest point to make is that it's us planning these events. It's students themselves putting on these events and planning them to ensure that they are happening. And so who better knows what students want to see on campus than students themselves? And it's so important that, you know, we do offer some in-person programming because, you know, for the students that maybe their whole semester was placed online, we want to give students, you know, a sense of community and a reason to come to campus. Um, And so that was why that was so important to us. And, you know, obviously there are some also virtual events, but, you know, that's because maybe some students aren't coming back to Columbia. So we also want to offer those virtual events so that they can feel connected to the Carolina community, even from, you know, wherever home may be for them. And so I think my biggest just takeaway is to know that it doesn't take a physical event to find a tie to the community. We can find community just however we make it ourselves. And I think we've really done such a big job virtually, especially with all of this happening, is just engaging with each other better and more intentionally. I think the events that we are having are just more intentionally thought out. And I just think that overall, we're all kind of going through this un unprecedented time together so we're, we're figuring it out but it's just nice that we can rely on each other and really help each other but I think that's the biggest takeaway is just know that it's students that are really helping make all of this happen so we are trying to help our peers and it it's a big priority yeah yeah hear that term a lot unprecedented times yeah definitely. Reagan thanks so much for joining yeah thank you so much that was USC president of homecoming Reagan Brezak we'll be right back Are you having fun? You may think you'll be fine. Think COVID-19 won't bring you down. But what about me? According to the CDC, people like me with respiratory issues are at a higher risk of getting really sick. So, don't be a... We need people like you to help. Follow the creed and don't harm your fellow Gamecocks. Wear a mask. Slow the spread. Hashtag, I pledge Columbia. We all know a good party gets the heart pumping. A chance to see your friends again, have a good time. But what happens when your good time puts someone else at risk? Healthcare workers risk their own lives to save ours. Since April 9th, more than 9,000 have tested positive for COVID-19 across America. The choice is yours, Gamecocks. Will it be another Monday night out or a movie night in? Stay in and help stop the worst from happening. Hashtag I Pledge Columbia. You're listening to Headline from WUSC News. I'm Mort Jollis. The peak of hurricane season is only a few weeks away now, and we've already seen a record number of storms this year. Hurricane Isaias is looming off the coast as we speak. In fact, many weather experts are predicting that this season is going to be even more active than normal. With this thought in mind, officials are starting to worry about how exactly to go about preparing for the upcoming season, while also staying safe during the pandemic. 
Here with me today to talk about what South Carolinians can expect and what they can do during the upcoming hurricane season is USC geography professor and disaster researcher Susan Cutter. Professor Cutter, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Yeah, so first of all, explain to me really quick, why is emergency preparedness so much more complicated now during COVID-19 than any other year? Well, normally we have a standard set of, of things that we prepare for for hurricane season. We know uh, what to do. We know when to do it. Uh, we start uh, June 1st and, and we get it all together. Uh, this year we have something called the pandemic that we're layering on top of that. And the pandemic is making it very, very difficult because we now have to concern ourselves about being exposed to a highly contagious virus uh, that could lead to serious injury and death. And so we have to take extra precautions as we think about what we're going to do to prepare ourselves and our families for hurricane season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can't even like I'm thinking of all of the different things that you would normally do to prepare for an incoming hurricane and thinking like, how, how are people going to be doing this? I mean, like grocery stores, for example, or like families relocating and moving in with someone else or maybe moving to a hotel. I mean, all of that's going to be made really complicated by, you know, hurricanes this season. Uh, what do you what are some other things that I might be forgetting that some other factors we might have to consider here? Well, part of the um, the difficulty is we have to now consider uh, two important things. Uh, the first is we don't want to congregate in large groups. So we want to try and minimize the use of public shelters because that will put a lot of people together in very small spaces. At the same time, the majority of people who evacuate during a hurricane, for example, from the coast, uh, tend to relocate to family and friends. And by doing so, you're putting more people in smaller spaces. And so we're going to have to take extra precautions. If you're moving in with mom and dad who are elderly, then you have to try and practice social distancing, wearing masks, doing the, the hand washing all the time, uh, and sanitizer. And then the third thing that we have to think about is a lot of people are out of work and a lot of people are not getting a paycheck. And so the ability to actually buy supplies that they're gonna need to protect themselves and their families from COVID-19 are adding an extra burden at a time when they may not have those extra resources. Wow, so it's a pretty complex situation, you'd say. Very complex, very challenging, actually. Yeah, so, you know, based on your expertise um, and your background, uh, what are some potential solutions to this problem? I mean, how can people safely socially distance uh, during a typical evacuation or preparing to shelter? What we have to think about is we have to be more uh, focused on evacuations and we have to take more personal responsibility. And this means we really do have to plan ahead. And you have to plan ahead, not only to protect yourself and your family, but you have to plan ahead to protect others who may be exposed to you that, that you don't know if you're contagious. And that requires a different mindset because a lot of people 
just do last minute planning and they say, oh, a hurricane is coming. I'm going to run to the store and get my mask and my hand sanitizer. And oops, there's nothing at the store anymore because everybody else has come. What am I going to do? I won't be allowed into shelters because I don't have my protective equipment. I don't want to expose my parents or my friends to this. So it's going to take a lot more time and a lot more thought. And this is something we're not used to doing. And I think that's going to be the big challenge this season. Yeah. So I, I know that we, we don't really have much of a precedent to go off of with this. But um, we have seen one hurricane uh, this season already in Texas. Um, and, you know, there, Governor Greg Abbott, for example, was saying that, you know, it was actually saying that the hurricane provided some sort of incentive for people to stay home. Um, you know, what can we what can we expect with these bigger hurricanes, though? I mean, should sh- what do you have to say to the people who are thinking it'll be safer if I just stay home? Well, what you're what you're talking about is how do individuals uh, weigh the risks and the risks of staying at home uh compared to evacuating and potentially being exposed to the COVID-19. Well, that risk calculation requires um, knowledge of where you where you live and whether or not you are in a storm surge zone or in a low-lying area where that hurricane storm surge can uh, get you. And if you are, you are more at risk by staying at home and possibly drowning uh, than you are in evacuating and being exposed to COVID-19. So most of of the advice on making that risk calculation is get out of the way of the hurricane and take your chances with COVID-19 because you can reduce your risk a little bit through social distancing, through masking, through gloves, through sanitation, washing your hands and using hand sanitizer. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and, you know, we, we just to change gears a little bit here, we've already seen quite a few name storms uh, this semester, a lot more than usual. Um, and it's got a lot of people kind of scared about what's to come in the upcoming season. Uh, is this a part of a broader pattern that is going on? Um, what's behind that? And what do you expect for the rest of hurricane season? This is supposed to be a, an above normal hurricane season, and I think we're already seeing evidence of that in terms of the frequency of the storms. Um, part of it is there's, you know, annual cycles of, of hurricanes. It's clear that that the frequency and severity of uh, Atlantic tropical systems are increasing because of, of climate change. So we can expect these patterns. Um, to increase. What I think we need to be hopeful about is that um, they don't make landfall uh, anywhere in the U.S. or in, a, in our territories uh, or other nations in the, in the Caribbean, uh, and, and they just basically veer out. But that's kind of wishful thinking, and we know that that's probably not going to happen. So the second most important thing is to be prepared for it. And the better prepared are, um, the better we will withstand the the impact, um, both in terms of the hurricane itself, but also uh, with the pandemic. 
Yeah. And if you, you know, if you could drive home one message to our listeners about, you know, what, what we can do now to prepare for the upcoming hurricane season um, during the age of COVID-19, what would that, what would that message be? That message would be to become self-reliant as much as possible, to have the supplies that you need for five to seven days uh, in terms of water, food, medicines, uh, COVID supplies, masks, gloves, uh, hand soap, and so forth. And if you can take care of yourself and your family and keep them safe, and everybody does that, we should come out pretty much ahead. All right. We uh, definitely a very complex issue that uh, we're going to have to just wait and see how it evolves. Uh, Professor Cutter, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Headline. Make sure to tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. for the week's biggest stories. The music for Headline is called Conversation by Broken Summer. Headline is a production by WSC News and is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. You can find other Garnet Media Group podcasts and student work on garnetmediagroup.org. From WSC News in Columbia, I'm Moore Jollis, and this is Headline. Headline.